You're listening to The Sport Market. Here to rack the bulls and bears of sport business. Your host, Tom Mayonet. It is Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. And very appropriately so, because of course the new class of inductees to the Hockey Hall of Fame are all about storytelling. They're all about amazing stories, whether they're players in the Hockey Hall, coaches in the Hockey Hall, executives, members of the media, they're all about stories. And as we'll get into in just a moment, this weekend is also about profound stories, of course, in remembrance of those who lost their lives defending Canada, defending certain ways of life back in the day. And, of course, survivors of those wars are here to tell their own perspectives, and we we honour them, and, of course, we especially honour those who lost their lives. We've got a lot of ground to cover, though. With all that storytelling in play, we're going to get to the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits, our top three sport business stories of the week. We're also going to roll out Hot Stuff, our weekly apparel and merchandising report. The Billion Dollar Club, checking out some franchises worth 10 figures. And we'll be joined by the sport professor, Rick Hoare, the visiting sport business expert at Harvard University. He's coming your way in about 12 minutes' time. We're also going to roll out the Sport Market Power Rankings, the five hottest franchises. Sport will check in on them as well. But first things first, it's our opening bell. As we mentioned, this is a, a somber weekend. On one hand, we are celebrating those survivors of wars from eras gone past, those who risked their very lives to defend Canada, to represent Canada, and in a lot of cases, to clean up the mistakes of others who created messes, who weren't able to resolve differences in peaceful means. And the default became sending our troops to battle. Certainly, it is about honoring those whose lives were lost, but it's also about celebrating those who came back those who were able to tell the stories of courage and, 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 and bravery. And with everything going on in the world around us, there's no question that, that violence and war is a very tragic default mechanism. It's a sign of failure that we weren't able to get things done through peaceful means. Through all of that, and I mentioned the Hockey Hall of Fame at the top, stories bring us together. I truly believe sport brings us together. I like what Sportsnet has done with the United by Sport mantra because I think it's true. And we see it no matter our political differences, our religious differences, our geographic differences. We often come together, whether it's post 9-11 or post other, you know, similarly apocalyptic and dangerous situations, we come back and we gather at sports events. 
on this Remembrance Day weekend, let's always try to not only honor and, 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 and celebrate those who returned and honor those who, whose lives were given up, but let's make sure that we're understanding and recognizing that what is similar about us is much stronger than what is different about us. And again, when that comes to politics, to religion, to geography. Let's check out our podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to thesportmarket.biz. Just off podium, the Sportico NHL valuations dropped this week and the Toronto Maple Leafs for the richest franchise in the National Hockey League. They are valued by Sportico at $2.65 billion U.S. And what's remarkable is the jump of 25% year over year in the Leafs valuation, 29% league-wide. And that is, give credit where credit's due, largely because of the best revenue-driving U.S. TV deals the National Hockey League has ever had. Is that that kind of an impact with the revenues coming in? Uh, you're, you're talking $300 million in one and $350, uh, $400 million on another. Those are big deals with ESPN and, and, and Turner Broadcasting. They've never been that high in terms of revenue to the league. And that's why there's that 29% bump right across the board. Leafs at $2.65 billion ahead of the New York Rangers. Then the Montreal Canadiens are at $2.27 billion. And then followed by the Boston Bruins and the Chicago Blackhawks. And you're already, you know, those of you harder core fans uh, really into this kind of stuff, you're hearing something. You're hearing the concentration of the original six teams at the top of the charts, the heritage brands at the top of these valuations. And that's simply because national followings mean national values. In the bronze medal position, a number three sport business story of the week Tiger Woods and Associates formally launch TGL, the Golf League, and they do so in six markets across North America. And they do so with plenty more growth to come, and they do so in a very fragmented current environment, especially on the men's tours with PGA Tour versus LIV versus Live Golf still very much needing to be sorted out. Billy Kratzert, of course, of the Golf Channel, was asked, do you think TGL would be here without Live Golf? Probably not. Uh, I, I think uh, it, it's kind of, you know... On the dovetail, you know, dovetailing that a little bit, um, but uh, I think the players are, are certainly going to be compensated for for their efforts and for their time. And and going forward, we'll see how it works. Uh, nothing like this has ever been done. I mean, everything has always been an outdoor sport, and now you're making it an indoor sport. So I am very curious to see how it's all going to work. 
Billy Kratzer of the Golf Channel talking about our bronze medal story on the podium, number three sport business story of the week, the launch of TGL. Uh, this is adding new dimension to the term original six, because these are the original six clubs slash cities that will be represented in the TGL. Uh, that is being led in large part by Tiger Woods. His own Jupiter uh, Golf Club in Florida is one of the six. Uh, and, of course, he's investing in that along with David Blitzer. In San Francisco, Mark Lazary, very high profile, and Steph Curry, even higher profile on the court, are teaming up on that venture. In New York, it's Steve Cohen, who's the owner of the New York Mets. So big dollars, big profile, and big network being brought into the New York representatives. Uh, Alexis Ohanian and the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, involved with the L.A. franchise in the TGL. Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Hawks of the NFL and Atlanta uh, FC of Major League Soccer. He is the driving force behind the Atlanta franchise. And then finally, in Boston, it's, yes, you guessed it, Fenway Sports Group, uh, owners of the Boston Red Sox. Those are the six original franchises in TGL. In the silver medal position, a number two sport business story of the week, Craig Council gets paid and gets paid in a very, very big way. Here's John Heyman, high heat on Council. Well, it's been a crazy day. I mean, it starts with Craig Council, who decided to go to the Cubs when we thought the Brewers and the Mets were the two most likely places. He is indeed going to the Cubs. I can confirm that. That does make sense. Obviously, Chicago, north side, within 90 miles of his hometown of Milwaukee. So not a big switch, geographically speaking. Unfortunately, David Ross was the manager. I agree with you. I think David Ross is a good manager. Obviously, Craig Council, much more accomplished manager. And uh, this is the result. Mendoza. Mendoza goes to the Mets, Council to the Cubs, and we have vote going to the Guardians. John Heyman talking about the appointment this week of Craig Council as the new manager of the Chicago Cubs, making him the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball. And check this out. Craig Council as a player earned $22 million over 16 seasons in MLB. Three years into this five-year deal, he will have made $24 million at $8 million per. So he's easily going to outdo as manager what he made in his entire playing career. Uh, it's almost twice the $4.5 million that was the highest salary in Major League Baseball before that. And check this out on the North American landscape. Bill Belichick of the Patriots remains the highest paid coach at $20 million. Monty Williams in the NBA, $13 million. Then you got Council at $8 million. And in the NHL, it's Todd McClellan at $5 million a year. We'll get into more of that with the sport professor in just a few moments. But our number one sport business story of the week, our gold story on the podium funded by Alpine Credits, the National Football League gets some terrific ratings, Dolphins, Chiefs in Frankfurt, and uses the occasion to formally open a permanent Germany office in Dusseldorf. 
But consider this. That Chiefs defense went up against the number one offense in the league, the number one rushing offense in the league, and they silenced them for two quarters and then put them to bed in the second half. Here, here's what's interesting. The Dolphins have never punted more than four times in a game. They punted seven times in yeah. this game. We talk so much about Kelsey. We talk so much about Mahomes. The story of the Chiefs' season so far has been that the defense has led them and the offense has followed. Mahomes admitted as much. Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, George Cardlaftis, Willie Gay, they were awesome yesterday. And if that defense can continue to do this, you know the Chiefs' offense is eventually going to get there. We'll be okay. The defense has been leading the way, and Steve Spagnuolo put on a masterpiece with those two corners containing Waddle and Hill for most of the game. Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football on the game itself that sold out 50,000 fans at Deutsche Bank Park and drew 9 million viewers, average national audience in the United States. It is the most watched uh, morning game on NFL Network in the history of the network. We'll get into all of that with the sport professor next, right here on the sport market as we're rating debating the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now more of the sport market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Down to the Spurs. McDermott. And there is Victor for the stop. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. They call him Wemby. Victor Wembenyama of the San Antonio Spurs. What a physical specimen this guy is. Just absolutely unbelievable. He's only going to get better as he gets more oriented, of course, to the NBA game. Uh, but he's already delivered all kinds of highlight points. And we'll get into that with Rick Hoare, the sport professor, in just a couple of moments. First, we're going to check out some franchises worth 10 figures. The Billion Dollar Club. We talked off the top of the show that Sportico is now valuing the Toronto Maple Leafs at $2.65 billion U.S. That is the richest franchise in the National Hockey League. But it's not the richest franchise in Canada. Forbes magazine has the Toronto Raptors of the NBA pegged at $4.1 billion. That's on projected annual revenues of $305 million. Uh, Rogers Communications, Bell and Larry Tannenbaum acquired Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment and the Raptors subset of the franchise for $400 million. So just their NBA valuation has gone up tenfold during their tenure. Toronto Blue Jays, owned by Rogers Communications, of course, is third in the country at $2.1 billion. Then you get into the Habs at $2.27 billion and the Edmonton Oilers at $1.5 billion, although, of course, the Oilers are not playing like a billion-dollar club at all. Rick Horo is the sport professor. He is the visiting sport business expert at Harvard University, and he's a regular contributor to the sport market on the Sportsnet radio network. And uh, Rick, I'll tell you, uh, your Dolphins didn't win, but NFL Network really made a statement as to how big its property has become, how big the NFL Network uh, brand has become, how big the appetite for morning football, early morning football has become, 9 million and change. Average national audience, the most watched NFL Network morning game ever. I'd say that the NFL's uh, incursion in Frankfurt was quite the success, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and I, you know, quite the success off the field. On the field, we've still got to win a couple of big games. Uh, the narrative is the Dolphins can't win a big one, but 
you know, we'll see. We're not losing this week. We got a bye. Um, you don't <laughs> care, but I'm going to the Jaguars Niners tomorrow and Florida State Miami today. So I've got my fill of North Florida football today. And and uh, you know, maybe the NFL decides to continue to move farther east in a three hour increment. So maybe it's uh it's uh 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 India and maybe they have a uh, a uh five thirty AM East Coast game and you got a quadruple header. You know, sounds silly, but when people thought of how generally accepted the uh four four to five early morning AM uh NFL network uh or other network uh NFL broadcasts are, especially with high quality teams, you know, look, you can't get too much football. You really can't and this proves it. Uh, in terms of NFL offices around the globe, uh, Shanghai, they've got a presence there. Sydney, Australia, they've got a presence. Mexico City, of course, has long been cultivated. More games have actually been held there than uh, uh, any other uh, country, even with the recent emphasis on London and now Germany. Uh, London is another NFL office, as is the newest one announced this week in the, uh, you know, amidst these terrific record-setting numbers, which almost doubled last year's Seattle-Tampa Bay game, by the way. Um, uh, Dusseldorf is Dusseldorf is the uh, new NFL office. What does this all say about the increased priority that Roger Goodell and the NFL are putting on global marketing? Well, Roger's one step ahead of the curve in terms of uh, a leadership of of the sport, the biggest issue internationally is it's not, you know, it's not their game. It's our game. Uh, soccer is not our game. But when you think about the issues, it's a uh, let's figure out how to deal with it long term. Let's generate the marketing for it. So the NFL stays one step ahead in a couple of ways. You know, flag football is now, as we know, a 2028 Olympic event, but also it's an international event. Fifty seven countries have official flag football teams that are looking to enter. Uh, the Olympics. And, you know, that not only builds a great grassroots support and the NFL is all into it, but the NFL also sees this as an alternate to tackle football for parents who want to continue to deal with the football part of the game, but don't want to make a judgment on the violence. So Troy Vincent and Roman Oban and all of those guys, the friends have made the major decisions from a marketing and an international perspective as well. Uh, you know, we don't we don't uh, uh, honor that three down game. I don't know what the hell you call it, but, uh, you know, sooner or later, we're going to standardize. <laughs> right. We're just going to let that one go by. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, we are <laughs> all, all the all the NFL stars who couldn't cut it in the CFL. We'll just sort of park that aside for a moment. But listen. Yeah. All right. So I'll, I'm going to get texts from like Flutie from Warren Moon. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there you there you go. Hey, listen, yeah. uh, by the way, while we're talking, you know, obviously this nine point one eight million on NFL Network was a big deal, especially given how early in the morning it is. Uh, this is the third straight week in which the NFL has announced a new record for the year uh, in terms of most watched NFL uh, game since last year's Super Bowl is 27.1 million uh, this week on Fox uh, watching the Philadelphia Eagles uh, uh, do their thing against the Dallas Cowboys. That's pretty impressive stuff. But also impressive is what NFL Network has done. It used to be so peripheral, but now it's essentially helped create 
the Thursday Night Football brand. It's become the leader in terms of uh, uh, draft coverage, providing a lot of behind the scenes. 33 Emmys. Others have pointed this out. Good Morning Football, another another property. Uh, what pivoted where NFL Network became such a bigger deal uh, relative to the uh, the other big uh, U.S. networks? I, I think it was uh, you know Bodenheimer and others around the NFL uh, and their prior media experience deciding that this was not a collateral player, but it ought to be a major player that drives content. You know, the beauty of this is that that many networks that decide to use NFL or others to drive programming, you got to always worry about the prohibitive rights fees. (laughs) The NFL has it built in. So there's never been a question of you have to pay for access. You don't. It's just a question of getting every team to buy in that this is another example of marketing their own individual teams by providing more and more and more access and then let the NFL network cover the entire league in addition to the games. The game commitment was always one of those where, you know, the issues, do you hold back and and take them in essence off the market relative to Amazon or the other major networks or, uh, or do you you bid them into a package and the NFL decided, you know, we're going to hold them out because whatever we lose in rights pieces are going to be more than compensated for by the increased value and relevance of the NFL network, and it's working. We've got Rick Coro, the sport professor, for another minute this segment, then we're going to keep him plugged in so we can just tap into his brain a little bit more here on the business of sport, including his thoughts on Craig Council. Give us 30 seconds to start. It's our silver medal story on the podium. $40 million over five years. He becomes the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball. I'll give you 30 seconds, but you know I'm rebelling against your characterization. He's as a Cub fan, it's, it can't be silver. What, what you know? It, I don't know what gold is, but uh, it's <laughs> the it's, NFL it's, story is gold. But uh, you know, we'll, 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 would you settle for yeah. a tie? Yeah, settle for a tie. Tie, tie A. Look, it's a major market. He goes from a you know relatively minor market, but he's been a gold standard manager uh, to a, a major market, instilling yet more hope for another post 2016 Cub comeback. Uh, some say along with Dusty Baker, Bruce Bochy, and others, the best manager by far in baseball, knowing how to handle pitchers, knowing how to handle players. It jumped in his lap. He's got kids high school age in Chicagoland. And, you know, why not go 90 miles down the road and be the hero? So, you know, finally, this is, this is the second favorite move of my gaggle of teams since the Dolphins stole John, uh, Don Shula 50 years ago. Hold the thought. More Rick Horro next, along with Drew Dorweiler talking the Sportico valuations. That's all still to come here on the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonet. Out to hell. Goes Noah Balls loose. It is loose and picked up and rattled. Kansas City! And the Kansas City Chiefs hold on for the victory against the Miami Dolphins in the most watched morning game in NFL Network history. Uh, the most watched since 2005 in all games. Sorry, since uh, 2015 in all 
platforms. That was an impressive performance. 9.1 million Americans watching on average and 50,000 fans filling Deutsche Bank Park, which is home of Eintracht Frankfurt of the Bundesliga. We have got... The sport professor, Rick Hoare, for another couple of minutes here on the sport market, followed by Drew Dorweiler of IJW Associates to talk about these sportico valuations. But back to the sports prof, uh, Rick, we've talked NFL uh, in Frankfurt. We've talked about um, uh, Craig Council becoming the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball. He'll make more as a manager in three years than he made in his entire playing career. But we haven't talked yet about our bronze medal story, which is the launch of the Golf League, Tiger Woods and Company. Uh, I'll ask you the same question that Billy Kratzer of the Golf Channel was asked. Do you think TGL happens without the live incursion? Uh, It'll start that way. I think, you know, the game is interesting because it's basically how to get golf fans enthralled where the pros use their personalities, but they're playing on simulators. (laughs) And it's really interesting. It's in my backyard. Uh, The first event is January 9. Palm Beach State College, uh, with a grant from the state, has a studio that they developed for this. And for Tiger and Rory and Mike McCarley, formerly with NBC, uh, it's just a trip down from Jupiter. And so this an easy sell plus it's alternate media and they get equity and it's another interesting thing now you know there are also uh, players uh, like brooks kepka and others who are local but are live and so i don't think we're going to see them right away but uh you know I, I i would prefer to focus on the success or not of this new product and then we'll figure out if live kind of helps tear it apart uh, I would say that, you know, Pop Stroke and Top Golf and all of those projects have expanded the golf world. So the National Golf Foundation includes, you know, those as golf events. So this ought to be golf event, too. And it just means higher uh, interest and therefore higher dollars for everybody. And plus, you know, for me, I, I'll, I'll hit a simulator. I think it's it's 80 feet from the tee shot to the simulator, I, uh, uh, the the uh, the mat uh, and the uh, curtain, I I can even reach that. That'll be that'll be cool. Well, there's no question that what Tiger and company put together here has got an impressive who's who of the the world of sport and the world of sport business. Arthur Blank of the Falcons, uh, uh, Fenway Sports Group owners of the Bow Sox, uh, the Williams sisters, Steve Cohen, Steph Curry, and of course, uh, Tiger's own partner, David Blitzer, uh, Mark Lazary, who you know well. That's quite an impressive starting point for the original six franchises, isn't it? Yeah, and the idea of the franchises is you know, uh, Liv tries it with uh, corporate or, or kind of uh, creative names. I don't know if that works. The, the real key will be to kind of instill excitement uh, about cities because uh, and not necessarily guys who come from there, but, you know, Arthur Blank, and he owns the PGA Superstore as well, so he's into golf. He's trying it. And if this works with kind of a city piece, and you see Atlanta playing, you know, Jupiter, uh, and that's not just Tiger – Uh, against another player that'll be another dimension but right now it was a great way to attract investors and they've attracted them sports prof we always love having you on we appreciate the bonus time that we've had with you this weekend you have a terrific uh, weekend and uh, we'll look forward to chatting again Uh, same uh, bat channel same bat time next week 
I'll prorate the bonus time invoice accordingly. I'll talk to you next week. That sounds good. He is the sport professor, Rick Horo, visiting sport business expert at Harvard University. So we've talked about our gold story on the podium, our top sport business story of the week, the National Football League opening up a Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf office full-time, uh, uh, one of seven or eight now that they've got around the world and they do so amidst record-setting early morning television numbers for NFL Network. Uh, John Heyman has already weighed in. Uh, uh, Rick Hor has weighed in. Craig Council is now the uh, highest-paid manager in Major League Baseball. He'll do the Cubbies uh, managing for uh, $8 million a year. He'll make more as a manager than he did in his entire 16-year playing career. And... And company, the Golf League, TGL, gets originally uh, initially launched with those six franchises. But just off podium, this is the week that Sportico unveiled its NHL franchise valuations. And like he does with the Forbes list, our own Drew Dorweiler of IJW and Associates based out of Montreal contributed to the new list. And uh, I'll just set it up for you. Toronto Maple Leafs uh, are at $2.65 billion. That's impressive as the richest franchise in the NHL. But what's really impressive is the impact of what I would suggest is the U.S. TV deals on overall franchise value up 29% league-wide and even the Leafs up 25%. Drew, those are impressive numbers for the National Hockey League. Well, they, they certainly are. And actually, for for any investment, when you think about it, I mean, given this economic climate, you know, what else can you think of that's... Uh... You know, making nearly a thirty percent return last year, just just wonderful. What were some of the factors that you brought to the discussion um, uh, that that resulted in this Sportico list? What were some of the things that really stood out to you about context? Well, certainly, uh, you know, examining the reasons for uh, you know for for the growth, and in particular, if if one looks further down the list, um, some of the teams at the I'll say the bottom third have the greatest growth. Um, I know Carolina Hurricanes, is, it's uh, 59%, and quite a few of these are over 40%. And that's, you know, something that we explored is, is the fact that the the, um, um, the Ottawa Senators in transacting at, uh, at $950 million, I mean, that, that really sets a tone for, you know, this is a small market team, not the most profitable, but still, um, you know, open market transaction nine fifty million. It's it's um, analogous to in a neighborhood, if a house sells um, for for uh, an elevated value, I mean that that tends to have a uh, an upward impact on 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 the valuation of the properties all around it. You know, it's the same goes in uh, in sports, and in particular, in this case, the NHL. So, point being, this has lifted up a lot of other franchises at the bottom and. The degree, uh, the the degree of of of, of um, you know of lift has resulted in significant growth um, over the past year for some of these smaller market teams. We're talking to Drew Drawweller of uh, IJW and Associates. He's the country's preeminent sport business valuator, one of the top business valuators, period, and a regular contributor to the sport market now on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, you know, we've often said that value is actually what someone would pay for a franchise. Well, Michael Landlauer uh, has hit the nail on the head and Sportico has hit the nail on the head because you can't go anywhere else but where the franchise transacted for uh 
it, it, it seemed to me that the NHL was able to drive almost a billion dollars out of the Ottawa market. Uh, all boats will float because of this transaction, won't they? Well, absolutely. And again, that's what we're, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're seeing. And, you know, one thing that's quite interesting, I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of quite a few years being on the sport market, and I think you coined the phrase the billion-dollar club. And this club, I mean, right now, used to, uh, in the past, it was an exclusive club. Not many were admitted. And, you know, just the, the VIPs, top of the top. Now, it's uh, the billion-dollar club includes the uh, top 22 teams in the NHL. We're talking to Drew Dorweiler here, rating, debating the bulls and bears of sport business. We're looking at Sportico's list. Now, heritage brands populate the top tier of the Sportico list like they do with the Forbes list. Uh, give us your perspective as to why that added brand value of being a heritage brand, being an original six franchise, matters so much and translates so strongly when it comes to franchise valuation. Okay, well, one, one thing, great question, and one thing... Again, in any valuation, you know, very much the of, of any business, um, you know, certainly is the case here. Uh, value is really comprised of two things: the, um, the the revenue or profit stream that you're, um, you're 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 analyzing, and the multiplier. And for, if if you compare two teams um, uh, with identical revenues, you know, say an original six team versus a, a you know, a, let's say a small market team, and would you would you apply the same multiplier? I would argue no, because the quality of earnings, the quality of that, uh, the brand reputation of that original six team, all things being equal, commands a higher multiplier. So that again is why we're seeing um, original six all you know, year after year perennially at the top of the list. Drew, uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, were the first outside of the original six Habs and Leafs to get into the Billion Dollar Club. They did uh, so two years ago on the Forbes list. They're that way on the Sportico list. They're now at about uh, $1.5 billion according to uh, Sportico. Poor play has a long-term drag, but only if it's protracted. This slump that the Oilers have got, that shouldn't really uh, affect their franchise value uh, until, you know, months and a couple of years down the road, it becomes a, a new normal. Well, well, that's true. I mean, to the extent that um, that results in people staying away, um, you know, that, that's when you see it translating into a, a slump in value. But, um, you know, one thing I should point out conversely, and we, we spent a lot of time on this, the L.A. Kings. I mean, imperceptibly, that, that franchise year after year, it's been creeping up. Now it's number six in the rankings, the L.A. Kings. And that's largely just a factor of, um, you know, not necessarily success but um, in any given season, but just the size of that market, you know, and the fact that, you know, hockey general, generationally is becoming much more popular, especially in Southern California. Drew, is this almost exclusively driven by the new American television deals? Of course, we're, we're, we've been doing $500 million a year in Canada for a while, but now you've got the two deals with ESPN and, and, and Turner Broadcasting sort of in that $600-700 uh, range. That's the most money the NHL has ever gotten south of the border on a TV deal. Are uh, are these bumps of a quarter to 30% in valuation all about that? Or are there other things that the league has done under Commissioner Gary Bettman's leadership in, in the last couple of years that have translated into added value? 
Yeah, well, I, I really say that's a, that, that's a significant factor. Um, certainly, the, the media deals, you know, and, and again, um, you know, going back to um, you know the, the fact that uh, you know either brand new franchises, uh, you know, command significant valuations, such as uh, Vegas and Seattle, or you know the fact that I think the NHL did very well in managing for the Ottawa Senators competitive bidding. I mean, there were a number of bidders uh, interested and. You know, look look at the result: nine hundred fifty million dollars for for Ottawa. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, criticize Gary Bettman, uh, myself included, on certain fronts, including the league's inability to get their head around social marketing, maybe being too attached to the Arizona Coyotes, among other things. But the <laughs> job of a commissioner is to create value for his owners, and I don't think that the Sportico list and the Forbes list to come in a couple of weeks say anything else other than Gary Bettman has delivered as commissioner. The question is, uh, would the league already be growing or are there things that, that he specifically done? It doesn't really matter. It's on his watch. Well, absolutely. And again, I know a lot of people, it's, um, you know, it's, it's always fun to boo the commissioner, but um, no, I, I think he's done a spectacular job in, 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 um, in, in uh, most of all, what's his main mandate? You know, it, it, he is working for the uh, team owners and look, look at the value he's created. I mean, I remember when I started valuing teams in the late eighties, um, you know, NHL teams, I think the bottom, uh, were, were quite a few were under $50 million US, you know, valuation and anything over a hundred was considered like, Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a great team. That's an original 16, you know, now, now look at the growth. I mean, it's, uh, you know, very exciting and as, as well as his forays, mostly not completely, but mostly successful forays into the U S South. Really appreciate that as we acknowledge the Arizona Coyotes are the weakest link at $690 million, but that's a far cry from where they were uh, 15 to 20 years ago. Drew, really appreciate all your perspectives. Can't wait to have you on the show again real soon. Okay, my pleasure, and congrats for, uh, for, for, for uh, being back on the air. It's great to hear you, Tom. All the best. Thank you. He is Drew Dorweiler of IJW and Associates, the country's preeminent sport business. We are going to deliver the Sport Market Power Rankings. We'll let you know our take on the five hottest franchises in North American professional sport and more as we continue to rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sport Market on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You're listening to the Sport Market on Sportsnet 650. You know, I, I just want to say thank you to all the Reds fans in Cincinnati and elsewhere. You know, I couldn't have loved an experience more. Former Cincinnati Red Joey Votto in one of the classiest farewell speeches you'll ever see. The big question now, what's next for Mr. Votto? What's next for Mr. Canada? Let's check out the five hottest franchises in North American professional sport. The Sport Market Power Rankings. The hottest performing franchises in North American professional sports. Slightly different take on power rankings, the sport market style. We've got about half of each ranking driven by what's happening on the ice, on the court, on the pitch, on the field. But the other half 
is driven by what happens in business operations for each franchise. Obviously, revenue generation, franchise valuation, attendance, TV ratings, and more. And on that note, Boston Bruins and Vegas Golden Knights in the NHL both getting honorable mentions this week. Uh, Bruins are 11-1-1 on the ice. Their Sportico valuation is $1.41 billion off the ice. The Vegas Golden Knights 11-2-1 going into the weekend. Sportico values them at $975 million. Also honorable mention to the New York Rangers 10-2-1 on the ice for 21 points. $2.45 billion is their franchise valuation. In the NBA, honorable mention to the Philadelphia 76ers at 6-1 carrying the ninth richest franchise in the NBA at $4.3 billion. The Dallas Mavericks at 6-2 on the court. Uh, They're the seventh richest franchise in the NBA at $4.5 billion. Also, honorable mention to the Detroit Lions at 6-2, tops of the NFC North, and the Jacksonville Jaguars also at 6-2. But none of those franchises have made the top five. Number five. It's the Vancouver Canucks making the sport market power rankings for the first time in history. They are off to their best start in franchise history. 10-2-1 going into the weekend. Winners of five straight games. That's the longest winning streak in North American professional sport. Their goal differential, even more impressive at plus 33 well ahead of the rest of the pack in the National Hockey League in that department. That's how well the Canucks have been playing. Sportico values them at $1.2 billion. Number four. The Denver Nuggets are next in line from the association. They're 8-1 as the defending NBA champions and current holders of the Larry O'Brien Trophy. They're the 15th richest franchise in the NBA at $3.38 billion. Number three. The 7-2 Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Taylor Swift combining for that 7-2 record and a lot of attention on social and digital. They are the 23rd biggest unit in the NFL. So one of the smaller part of the bottom third of businesses in the NFL in terms of enterprise value. Still don't feel sorry for them. They're valued at $4.3 billion according to Forbes magazine. Number two. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens off to an impressive start, but nobody seems to be talking about them as Super Bowl favorites. There's seven and two on the field. Jackson playing very well. $4.63 billion is their Forbes franchise valuation. Uh, driven by a projected $544 million in annual revenues. The Ravens are playing at a 778 clip. Number one. It's the Philadelphia Eagles at 8-1. Winners of three straight games are playing at an 889 winning percentage with a two-and-a-half game lead over the richest franchise in the NFL and in the world, the $9 billion Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles have the 10th highest franchise value in the NFL at $5.8 billion, projected on $598 million in annual revenues. Those are the sport market power rankings for the weekend of November 11th, led by the Philadelphia Eagles soaring high at 8 and 1 and 10th overall in franchise value in the NFL. 
And you've been listening to us rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You've been listening to The Sport Market.